0: Welcome to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton. And on this midweek mini episode, we are going to talk about the looming mental health crisis. Uh, so I want to just start off by reading you something that's going to, to point to part of the issue that we are experiencing. Uh, and then I'm going to get into some of the data and research and some of my own speculation and understanding of why, why this mental health crisis is unfolding, besides the obvious reasons of COVID and lockdown and quarantine but I'm gonna look at a little bit of a bigger picture here. So here we go. And this is, uh, this is actually from uh, Bill Plotkin's book, Nature and the Human Soul. In contemporary culture, the rare myths that we share with our children tend to be few and unimaginative. We have Disney movies that degrade archetypal stories into sitcoms and shallow heartwarmers. We have Hollywood sci-fi and action films that have traded the original richness of mythology for the endless portrayals of superficial male adolescent heroism and the sexual objectification of women. We have tasteless and insipid television stories and ads designed to raise profits, not children. The enchantment of the world has been stifled and corrupted. We do still have fairy tales, but all too often they are contemporary sanitized versions of ancient stories, the invaluable dark elements having been removed or minimized, some of the deepest mysteries and keys to our individual destinies are hidden in those shadowy places. Seek out then the older, original fairy tales, such as those compiled by the Brothers Grimm. This in some way alludes to the larger picture of what is happening in our mainstream culture, in our mainstream media, in our societies around the world, but especially being amplified in North American culture right now. Um, with the global crisis happening, with lockdown, with quarantine, we seem to see this rise and this this spike of uh, popularized, almost, how do I say this? <laughs> It is almost as if we have started to get so enamored with the sitcom reality TV version of life, that that has become the the new way of us interacting with one another as a species, that people... Uh, like Donald Trump, who are reality TV show stars, don't forget, like, yes, he's a businessman, but at the end of the day, he's a reality TV show star. And that's how he really got into the minds of the American people. And he was on reality TV show. You have people like Kanye West, the Kardashians, uh, et cetera. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. But that reality TV show has become so embedded into American culture. And it is based off of a fabricated version of reality it's not a it's not a real version of reality right it's fabricated it's it's made for entertainment and it's made to sort of impose these surface level nervous system provoking narratives that that have this very viral nature because the main aim of these reality tv shows is to capture your attention for as long as humanly possible, and how they capture your attention for as long as humanly possible is by injecting your psyche, your mind, your nervous system with as much shock and awe, fear and anxiety, anger and frustration as humanly possible because that, my friends, is addicting. It is addicting. And so this is why in many ways we see American politics dissolving into a sort of uh, reality TV show. I mean, the other day I saw uh, just actually it was today it was this morning. I saw that uh, Joe Rogan on a podcast had talked about being willing to interview Joe Biden and Donald Trump, uh, and that he would moderate the conversation. It would be f- over the course of four hours. And Trump, you know, retweeted it and said, "You know, I would love to do that." He said, "I do. You know, I I would do that." And so, American politics has no longer. Uh, become about the issues. It's become about the narrative. It's become about the, the, the how, how quickly a politician can hijack your mind, can, can activate your nervous system, and can embed their narrative into your psyche. And so we have this looming health crisis for a number of reasons. One, because we have a systemic breakdown of the cultural myths that have largely been pervasive within our culture. That have that have acted as the the cultural fabric that have held people together. Right. That have basically said, Yeah, you have your differences on the Republican side, and I have my differences on the Democratic side, or whatever version of that you stand on. Um, you know, switch it up. I as the Republican, and you as the Democrat. And the, the cultural myths that we had for a very long time were the things that were the connective tissue between us. So that even, even if you and I disagree uh, and we have differences in beliefs, that because we had very similar cultural uh, myths and ethos, that we could still understand each other. We could still be close enough to one another to, to be able to have some sort of dis- discourse or dialogue. But now those cultural myths are disintegrating. You, you can see it in Disney movies that have watered down these myths and taken out a lot of the the really hard parts of the myths right and they've they've slowly stripped them away so that it's it's more about this surface level heroism uh and this quick fix than it is about going into the depths of the shadowy parts of the human psyche of life of uh spirituality really of any different part of of existence and so we've taken these hard parts away and what we have replaced it with is this vicious cycle of entitlement and this is a this is being accentuated by social media so this is part of the second problem that that we're being faced with when it comes to the mental health crisis. Social media, and this is really being shown a a lot, you can read Jonathan Haidt's work. Um, He is an incredible researcher and psychologist that breaks down some of the research around how social media is impacting us and our our children specifically. But basically what he's saying is, and, and what many researchers are saying, is that social media is making it so that we, we don't actually have to have and hold opposing views. We can entrench ourselves into a singular pointed narrative and that our social media actually encourages this. So platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and whatever other platforms you use they are designed to give you more of what you want, and so they have very specific algorithms and engine- you know engineers, social engineers, psychological engineers that work with computer engineers and developers to design programs to make sure that you are fed content on a daily basis that is going to keep you coming back to those platforms and so because of that, people are starting to live more and more in these echo chambers. And it's harder to tell what truth is, and it's harder to tell what's real, and it's harder to tell, uh, you know, what your perspective should or should not be. And so people are being pushed more to the extremes of these camps of left or right, Democrat and Republican, uh, you know, black and white, black lives matters, blue lives matters, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And and because of that, it's, it's really tearing at the fabric of our society, which is stressing people out, right? Like if you just look at the news, most of you that, that you know, maybe if you still are, are watching Fox News or CNN or, you know, reading Huffington Post or wherever you get your media from, you can feel it, right? As soon as you open up Facebook, I mean, I did this the other day, I opened up Facebook and started to scroll through. And it was so interesting because almost every third or fourth post was something about masks, uh, uh, (laughs) anti-vaxxing, you know, um, what else do we got here? The election, right? I'm like, I'm scrolling through right now just to see what else there is. Uh, But but it's this type of content. And so all of those posts are charging your nervous system, right? they're charging it up, they're putting you into a sympathetic nervous system response. So many people are activated. They're they're just constantly in this sympathetic nervous system, and their body isn't having time to rest, rejuvenate, and heal. Add in the fact that because of the recent pandemic that we are still living through, right? that we're still in right now, many people have experienced, and I touched on this recently with the episode on transition fatigue, many people are suffering from having so much change happen all at once that it's very hard to get grounded. It's very hard to feel like you're grounded in any given moment. Couple that with the last piece that I'm going to talk about, which is really the big one, um, which is isolation. And I've been talking about this since the beginning of the pandemic, that isolation brings amplification or equals amplification. And so more and more people are being isolated. I know clients that have had uh, children and their, their parents haven't been able to see their grandkids. I know people, couples that have been apart. For months at a time because they haven't been able to uh come together because of border shutdowns, I know people that have been quarantined without seeing people for you know months at a time just completely isolated by themselves and so with all of this combined right with the the deconstruction of our myths with the rise of social media becoming something that we are all use it, using it at far too high of a frequency. And the fact that more and more of us are becoming isolated and isolated with our opinions, isolated with social media, isolated with you know scrolling through endlessly, through whatever your you know, platform of choice is, people are sort of stuck in these spaces of rumination. And when we are isolated, it not only amplifies... Amplifies what is already there. So, if you're somebody that has mild depression, it's going to amplify your depression. If you're somebody that has anxiety, that isolation is going to amplify your anxiety. If you are a couple that's together and you've had some certain issues that have been present in your marriage or your relationship prior to the lockdown, prior to the pandemic, uh, those issues have probably been amplified through this isolation because you don't have your normal uh, social outlets to go to. You don't have your normal people to hang out with and you don't have the breaks that you normally have from the relationship and so that this this uh, isolation is a means of separating people in a way that that is amplifying the challenges and the problems that we're already experiencing. And not only that, I think as Francis Weller said. Uh, isolation makes us impotent. Not, not necessarily in the sexual sense, but it makes us impotent in the sense that we are less likely to really take a stand, to really fight for the things that we know are true for us, the, the things that we ultimately desire in life, because we sort of lose this tether to humanity. We lose this tether and this, this interconnectedness to other people. And that is an incredibly important aspect. right? We are a collective species. And so even if it's just you feeling the intrinsic motivation of wanting to fight for the things in your life with the people that are around you, with the community that's around you, when we are isolated from that tribe, from that community, we naturally feel a sense of impotence that we are less powerful, that we are we have less drive and motivation. And so, I've seen a lot of people who are struggling from this. And I think a lot of the data is showing that. Right? There's a a platform called Talkspace, and since February, uh, Talkspace it's a, it's an online platform uh, for online therapy. They basically just provide some some texting support and whatnot. Um, which, you know, that's a whole other thing of whether or not those types of things are actually generative and supportive, but they've seen a 65% jump in clients since the beginning. Uh, I mean, I was reading studies the other day from British Columbia that was saying that domestic violence in the first three months was up something like 300% in British Columbia, um, and overdoses far exceeded, far exceeded, uh, the cause of death from, from things like COVID, and so, you know, as we isolate more and more, and this is, again, this is a systemic issue that has been on the rise in our culture. Isolation is not a new th- thing, my friends, right? Many of you were probably dealing with isolation before this came along. And, you know, as the pandemic came along, it, it amplified that. So what do we do? How do we combat some of this, right? So the first thing that I wanted to say is we need to n- not only educate ourselves on what's happening in the world and the impacts of these things. But we need to educate ourselves on how to unplug. We need to educate ourselves on how to specifically unplug our nervous system from the pandemonium that is happening. Yes, prepare. Yes, take a stand. Yes, fight for the things that you believe in. Yes, go to the voting polls in November. Yes, do all of those things. But we need to practice not having our nervous system plugged into all of these interactions. I see a lot of people getting into Facebook arguments or Instagram you know, or Twitter or whatever the case may be. And every time that you engage in that in a very heated way, you are charging your nervous system. You are plugging your nervous system into that interaction. And that can throw you off for days. You know, it can really throw you off. So we have to learn how to regulate our nervous systems. Now, that can be done through breath work, through meditation it can be done uh, through being out in nature and grounding ourselves going for runs being physical you know at least 3 or 4 times a week all of these things are sort of a requirement for you so you have to prioritize not only unplugging yourself from these things that are charging your nervous system but you have to commit yourself to the discipline and the dedication of of prioritizing Prioritizing, empowering yourself, empowering the parts of you that need the most attention in this isolation, right? So isolation can actually be quite a generative time if we are approaching it from the right vantage point, right? It's why uh, it's why isolation serves as a dual function in the human experience, right? It can be the thing that we use to punish people to the nth degree, right? When solitary confinement, but it's also the things that can be quite spiritual in nature. So how are you using, and this is the last piece, how are you using this isolation from a spiritual soul perspective? How will you come out of this space? It's not about doing all the courses or, you know, learning how to paint or speak Japanese or whatever, you know, whatever you had on your to-do list at the beginning of of COVID. I know so many of you did. We were just like, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna crush this, I'm gonna learn a new language, I'm gonna learn how to whatever it was. I, I saw so much of that going on online. It's not about crushing your task list. It is about implementing the daily discipline and rituals and routines that are going to bring your soul alive in isolation, that are going to plug you in. They're going, to, they're going to unplug you from the social media and plug you into the spiritual media, right? Plug you back in in some way to life, to existence, to flow, to universe, to source, to what is, to whatever your belief is, right? Whatever that is. Because now more than ever, we need people that are dialed back into that. So And there's strength in that, right? It requires a tremendous amount of strength in order to develop that discipline in the face of isolation so and then the last piece is connect more than you think you might need connect more right connect more i've been making an active effort recently to respond back to absolutely every single uh instagram message that i possibly can i've been uh, Making an effort to get into contact with my family more than I normally would, FaceTime them, Zoom calls with friends, right, and meeting up with people as often as I can, uh, you know, within the mandates that that we have. So prioritize all that because, uh, and and notice notice when people are are struggling. Check in with people, and probably what you want to do is check in with the strong people because right now is usually the time where the strongest people are suffering the most because they are the ones that are trying to be the saviors for everyone they are trying to hold the ship together they are they are trying to uh create the direction so check in with the strong people in your life because they may not have had anybody check in with them for a long time So that's my mini episode today. I hope that you enjoyed this. Please, 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 this is a big topic. Please share it. Please mend it forward um, with a few people that you know could use this message, uh, especially in this time. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review. It goes a long way uh, to getting us onto the uh, phones and into the ears of other people. So thank you so much for joining me. This is Connor Beaton signing off.